your Bible to the book of Revelation chapter 3. Some people say revelations, but it's revelation. It's one, the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation 3, and if you'd stand with me for the last time, you can stand later of your own choosing if you like, but we stand in honor of the Lord's word. How many of you were raised in a church where if the preacher really got on something close to you, you stood? I felt like I stood all the time. I just, he'd, he'd stop a sentence and he'd get on something. I'd go, yes, Lord, I stand with my Bible. But you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. Revelation 3, beginning with verse 8. This is the vision uh, that God gave, or he caught John up, the revelator in the spirit. And in Revelation 3, Jesus says this to the church at Philadelphia. I know your works. And behold, I've set before you an open door and no man can shut it. For you have a little strength, but you've kept my word and you've not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. I will make them to come and worship, standing before you, and to know that I have loved you. Because you kept the word of my patience, I will also keep you from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast that which you have, so that no man takes your crown. And him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem, comes down out of heaven from God, and I will write upon him my new name as well. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. You may be seated this morning. I'm just going to read something to you, then I'm going to pray for God's blessing and anointing on this word, and then uh, by the grace that God allows, I'm going to preach to you on the subject I've set before you an open door. In this passage, God says that he knows who are faithful and unashamed. He knows of our weaknesses. He said, I know you have but a little strength. This passage tells us that he knows about the false believers that say they are of God, but they're truly of the church of Satan. He knows about our fears, and he tells us that he's going to keep us from the hour of temptation that's to come upon and try all who dwell upon the earth. He knows of our tendency to become lazy. He said, behold, I come quickly, and he knows how easy it is for us to lose ground. He said, hold fast to that which you have. God knows the spiritually hostile environment that we live in. He said, and let no man take your crown. God knows that not everyone that names his name follows his voice. It said, but to him that overcometh. So for Jesus to say, for to him that overcometh, there must be those in the church at Philadelphia that do not overcome. And God reveals great glory of those who will follow him. He said, I'll make you a pillar in the temple of God. You'll go no more out and I'll write upon you the name of my God and the city of my God and my new name. This passage is multifaceted in in many ways. You could run with it uh, uh, chronologically, uh, revelatory. You could make it a message about the end times. But I want to focus. I might allude to those things. But I want to focus on the subject where Jesus said, I have set before you an open door. For them, it was an open door in a time of persecution. For them, it was an open door in a time of unsettledness because where they lived was very prone to earthquakes. 
And many historians say that the place was leveled at 17 BC and they pretty much lived on a fault line. So there was the fear of the unknown, there was persecution, there were uh, uh, Roman iron-fistedness about them. And he speaks to the persecution they're under and at the same time, see, God is so powerful. He can talk about one thing and talk about another thing at the same time. He's also speaking to the church, the church at Philadelphia. So it's not just exclusively, but it's the church that happens to be at Philadelphia. So the immediate application is to them, but it speaks of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ for his church. He said, I've set before you an open door. Don't be confused. Don't let this last day disbelief of the rapture of the church sway you. We have churches that say they believed and then they say now, well, we don't believe. Listen, the great tribulation is a time of Jacob's trouble. God is very clear about that. Not the church's trouble. And there is a difference between the Lord coming for his saints and with his saints. And God has said in this passage, he said, I will keep you. Who? The church. Not the Israelites, but the church. I will keep you from the great trial that's to come upon the whole earth. So he was speaking about their specific trial. And then he's speaking about the trial to come upon the earth. We were not appointed unto wrath. Hebrews 9.27 says, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, but unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So having said that, let me get back over here. When God opens a door, that is a divine work of grace. He opens doors that no man can open or no man can uh, shut. And he shuts doors that no man can open. What do you think your life would look like right now if you could run it backwards and pull out time frames of doors that God opened for you that you didn't even see? Regrets that we have, that doors open that we didn't walk through. Or doors that we walk through and walk back out of. Uh, this message is not so much one that, I mean, last week y'all were shouting me down. And that's not what, I loved it, by the way. I, I could have preached a fit up in here last week. This is more instructional, but there will be people here. See, I didn't know who would be here today. But the Lord did. And I believe there will be, whether it's a handful or two handfuls of people. They will say, today I heard a word from the Lord for my specific life and situation. That's what I believe today is about. So even though I didn't know who would be here, he did. And the word of the Lord for you today is, I have set before you an open door. Let's pray. Father, I just humble myself before you uh, publicly. Uneducated, an unskilled, uh, an unprofitable servant at best. But I know that you can use me, Lord. I know that you can use me and anoint me with your Holy Spirit. And I could speak with such clarity and power that someone could receive a word from this message and be changed from the inside out. The weak could be strengthened. The blind could see. The deaf could hear. Physical problems and ailments could be resolved. And great healing could flow. Because where we're gathered in your name, you're here, O Lord. And so I'm asking for that today. I'm asking, oh Lord, if there's any way that you would use me, use me today. And if you can't, oh Lord, minister in spite of me today, I pray. In the name of your son, I count this done by faith that your word will not return void. In Jesus' name, amen.
The last part of this verse said, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. If you can't hear his voice, you won't see his doors. If you can't hear his voice, you won't see his doors. Number one, if you're taking notes, when God opens a door, it means he has the authority and the right and the power to do so. When God opens a door for you, individually, as a family, or collectively as a church, it means that he has the authority, the right, and the power to do so. That's why we as Christians, and especially ministers, pastor, we don't ever jockey for, or network for, or manipulate opportunity or promotion. The Bible is crystal clear. He picks up kings and puts them where he wants to. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. He moves him wherever he wants to. Promotion does not come from the east or the west or who you know. Promotion comes from the Lord. And when he wants to give you an opportunity, he opens a door and he'll put you where he wants to. I am grateful in my 50s that I'm not caught up in trying to compete with you and you and make sure my name is known and my face is recognized because I know that he opens doors when he wants to and when he does, all you got to do is walk through it. You better be prepared. God doesn't reward foolishness and laziness. But when he opens the door, he has a right to do so. When we moved in over here, I was told by white-collar Christians, you're on the wrong side of town. That's what they told me. I said, how about that? That's, what I t- that's exactly what I t- How about that? And see, what I knew, and I don't mean this arrogant, this is what I knew as a little boy. I didn't have to get your permission. When he opens a door for me, he's considered my inability He's considered my weaknesses. He's considered my infirmities. He's considered their opinions and forgot them. When he wants to open a door for you, he has the right, the privilege, and the power to do so. Oh, that'll change your faith if you believe that. God, just open a door for me. Just open a door for me. If one open door has the power to take out every Christian that's ever died in Jesus... And everybody that's alive and remain and will all be transfigured in the air going to meet the Lord. You don't think he can open a door for you? If he can open a door to bring every Christian home. See, in context, well, my problem don't look so big now. You ever been up in an airplane and you look down and you go, that's, that's Atlanta? The higher you go, the smaller things look. What makes these open doors divine is not primarily what they lead to, but who opened them. The door of salvation was opened by God himself. Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. All that's ever come before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. And by me, if any man comes in, he shall be saved and he'll go in and out and find pasture. That open door to salvation is the only way someone can be saved. You cannot come through the door of religion. You cannot come through the door of works. You cannot come through the door of a pope, a vicar, a bishop, a pastor, a preacher. Nothing. There's no other door. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So he opened a door. And whosoever will can come in and drink of the water of life freely. That's how we got saved. He opens doors of freedom when there's no way out. When Moses and the Israelites were at the Red Sea, 
David acquitted it, uh, accredited it to, but it wasn't exactly what happened, that God just breathed with his nostrils and the sea opened up wide enough for all the millions of Jews that went out. See, when you read something like that, you, you know, you, you remember the songs, he's a way maker and he makes a way when there's no way. Well, what he did was he opened a door and there wasn't even a door there. He created a door. Who, have you ever, do you ever read something like this and said, that was the last thing they were thinking God could do. That was the last thing. You aren't thinking the sea is going to get up and go out of the way. You're just not. So he said, I, I open doors wherever you are today and you don't see a way out. God said, just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean it's not there. Watch this. And he opens doors, man. Doors of access where there's no way in. There's someone in this room today that can't get into something that they're supposed to be, where they're supposed to be, who they're supposed to be. It's like they know it's God's will, but you can't get in. I love this story in, in, in Joshua where God told him, he said, now the walls of Jericho, the city is a fortress. It's all boarded up. You can't get in. And the very next verse he goes, and I've given you the city. Huh? Oh, there's no way in. You can put away your battering ram and your catapult and your little arrows with fire. on. You can put all that away. You can't get in. But I've given it to you. How are you going to do that? You'll have to watch. <laughs> don't you think the Lord has to view us like little sheep that don't get it? Maybe it's just going to be a surprise to you, John. I don't know this to be true. So what I'm about to tell you is something that I've read makes sense to me but it's not found in the Bible. But the Bible says that the walls of Jericho, you remember the sound of the trump on the seventh day, the seventh shout, the trump, and the scream of the people fell flat. Well, if they fell flat and they were wide enough for multiple chariots to go side by side, you can't crawl over them. I mean, even if you throw a rope, have you ever tried to get somebody that can't climb a rope over a 15, 20-foot wall? And you can only push so much rear end. It can't go no higher. Think about it. This man, and I read his book, he seemed to be a tender-hearted brother. He said he had an angel of the Lord visit him one time and said, you want to ask about anything? And he said, from the Bible? He said, oh, yeah. And he said, what about Jericho? And he said, uh, at the command of the Lord, we pushed the walls down like an elevator shaft. So they were flat. Now, John, did that happen? I don't know. I think that would make more sense than getting granddaddy up over a 25-foot wall. Either way, God said, there's no way, there's no way, there's no way, but I've made a way. He gave them a way in through an open door. Doors of influence where Joseph was in a prison for years. And then after interpreting one dream, he bypassed Every captain, every colonel, every sergeant, everybody in the political guard, everyone in the uh, military guard, everyone in the geopolitical scene. He went from prison to second in command. God said, I'll open a door on the way up for you. And I'll, I'll elevate you. I'm glad, and I said it a moment ago, but I'm going to reiterate it. I'm glad I don't have to jockey for a position. When he's ready, he'll put people, he'll move you when you're not even deserving. And he'll put you in front of, of people. And it still humbles me. 
You have no idea. There, there's some Sundays I sit in my office and I go, I get to do this? Beats all you've ever seen, doesn't it, John? Yes, yes. And what did I do to deserve? Oh, nothing. I just decided to move you on up to the east side. <laughs> God opens doors of ministry. Paul said, a wide door of effectual service had been opened to me in Ephesus, a great and promising one with many adversaries and many obstacles. So for you who are wanting to use your life for God, to to waste your life on God, to invest your life with God, you understand he opens doors of ministry for you. All you have to walk through, do is walk through, but there are many adversaries And many obstacles along the way, physical challenges, marital challenges, economical, social, uh, emotional, relational, mental, all of that goes with it. Just because he opens a door doesn't mean there's not conflict. You're going to have many adversaries, but when he opens a door, okay, something as simple as John, start a church. So we're all on the same page. I wouldn't have picked me against the backstop. But when he opens a door, he gives you the capacity And the power to do what he opened the door for. And churches did not flow from me. It flowed from a yes. And Christians and churches stopped growing at the last place they told the Lord no. So we've talked about doors of access. uh, Doors to go up. Doors of influence. Doors of ministry. Now, number two. When God opens doors... He does so for a reason. He never does it because he's bored. It may be a test. I remember when I was a youth pastor here in Macon, uh, I never did as good as Drew or Jason or anybody like that. I, I had like 15 kids and I preached for an hour and a half at them and we went to Burger King. That was all we did. But they got the word, man. That's, I didn't know how to be a youth pastor. But anyway, I preach. I preached paint off the walls and they just... Because I was learning how to preach. I, they were my uh, mice, experimental mice. <laughs> Some of them are still in therapy, but the doctor said it looks good. They're going to make their way out. <laughs> I remember I got a call from a church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And I know the young people don't know who Russ Lee is, but 100 years ago, there was a group called Truth that traveled and, and sang. And he was their youth pastor. And he resigned. And I got called. So what's on the resume? Nothing. 15 kids that have had it up to here with Wendy's at nothing. You know, but the Lord gave me this opportunity. He opened this door and they interviewed me. And the guy, when I walked in his office, I said, hi, my name's John. He said, hi, I'm Dr. So-and-so. Here's my thesis. And handed me this old Sears catalog about that big. Am I supposed to read this? <laughs> I didn't know. You know, I thought it was kind of funny. He didn't laugh. I uh, just said it right here. And he interviewed me, and I'll, I'll give you the long story short. He asked me, he goes, what do you make where you're at? And I told him, and he laughed out loud at me. And he said, how much schooling do you have? And I told him that I'd done the entire Berean course in six months. And he said, you mean the, there's three levels. There's Christian workers, license, and ordination. And they have about 30 or 32 classes or something like that. I said, no, I did them all. He goes, oh, 
But you never went to seminary. I said, no, sir. So he asked me about my uh, theology, theology, ideology, emphasis. What do you think your spiritual gifts are? I met his elders. And he said, here's what we'd like to do. We want to start you at twice what you're making. We want to pay for your school all the way through a doctorate. And we want to give you uh, your down payment for your first home. Now, as a young man wanting to provide for his wife, I would immediately be given status, home, not renting. We rented a 450-square-foot apartment at Brookwood uh, right off of Vineville and uh, an education. And it was this huge facility with its own youth building and everything. But the Lord opened that door to test me. I've never had recognition. Can I just talk to you a moment, even if I don't get... I think this is for somebody here. One of the things the Lord has kept me from, rightfully so, has been recognition. I've never been in the loop. I've never got the awards or reward publicly. You know what I'm saying. So that was kind of appealing to get recognized. As a matter of fact, when I was a youth pastor, they one time had a, a youth pastor's meeting from all the youth pastors in the prominent ones in Georgia at our church, and I didn't even know about it. They all met at our church, and I just walked in. I was walking in the room to do something. I was, oh, and the guy goes, I won't call his name. He goes, yes, nothing. What I thought was, oh, this little insignificant guy didn't know you were having a meeting. I'll just tip back out. I shut the door, and I walked in there, and it dawned on me. They don't even know me. So I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it. So it's nominated several years ago to be a presbyter or to nominated. And uh, there was a gentleman there that at that time we had like 1,100 people and he had about 40. And that doesn't mean he's not a wonderful spirit-filled brother, maybe a better guy than me. Well, they voted for him to be presbyter. I said, that's the only time I've ever been nominated. I said, oh, okay, no problem. So then a youth pastor was nominated and me. And he got elected. And then they turned to me and they said, hey, let your name run next time you'll win. And the flesh part of me was just like, don't you know I have 1,100 people? That's what I was thinking. And so I felt the Lord say, let your name run. And so I was the secretary or something to these guys are good guys. I'm not slamming them. I'm showing you how it's, you're the project. It's never about the thing. You're the project. And so it was embarrassing for me. And I did win the third race uncontested for secretary, <laughs> which meant I'm the note keeper at the meeting. So. And I remember asking the Lord, I said, why do you do like that to me? And he spoke very plainly to me. He said, if I recognized you, it would ruin you. And I said, I got it. Because you don't have the character to be known, to be uh, esteemed. You don't, I believe I'm better today than I was because that tinsel crown doesn't shine as bright. So anyway, back to the story. So he gave me the offer and I went back to the hotel room and I knew I wasn't supposed to go. Just, you know, you get the check in your spirit. Oh, the Lord Here's what we say. He wouldn't have opened the door if he didn't want me to go through it. God opens doors, but there's always a reason. And one of those reasons is to test you to see if you'll jump. And I knew, had that check, mm -mm, 
Mm-mm. It's like when grandmama wants a kiss on the lips, it's like... He... Okay, listen to me. You can do it, but it just ain't right. <laughs> you know? The, the dentures are moving a little bit. They slide, you know. But see, you'll never forget it. I want you to know I'm not being frivolous. You'll never forget that. Just because you can do something, don't make it right. So I went back and uh, we got to the airport to go home. And uh, they flew me up there and dined us. And when I got to the airport, I remember like yesterday, the, du- the sliding doors opened. And when I walked away from Fayetteville, and I stepped through the doors, I turned to my wife and I said, that's the most peace I've ever felt since we got here. She said, there's your answer then. So I went home, called him the next day. No cell phones, landline. Called him the next day. Uh, hey, Pastor, this is John. I want to tell you, first of all, how grateful I am for hosting me and told him the whole, you know, thank you. But I, I don't feel like I'm supposed to come. Well, I guess we don't have anything to talk about. And he hung up the phone. I'm like, Lord, thank you for keeping me from there. Ooh. Be careful that you don't just grab what you've prayed for when it's right in front of you because God may be testing you to see if you know His voice. If you know His voice. And from that, no, the Lord released me to go on the evangelistic field and for five years I got to travel and learn how to preach, which was my passion. Be careful. I don't know who that's for, but just be careful. It may be more of a revelation of God's intention and desire than it is your prayer. When God opens a door, it may be more about His desires than yours. The Scripture is plain that the open door was set before them for them. An open door implies, demands, and creates great change. Okay, we're off the idea of the door being a test. When God opens a door for you to walk through, it implies, write this down, it demands change. You cannot go to where you're going and stay where you're at. When you walk through a door, you've changed residence. When God opens a door, a life door, a ministry door, everything changes from then on. Relationships that you held close, you can't hold as close anymore. When God tells you to adopt a a cluster of five kids, your life has changed after that. Trust me, your life has changed after that. And we want to walk through a door and think we can carry all that old stuff with us into the next place. It won't fit. An open door like this is never an accident. And it's unmistakable to those who have eyes to see it. The dull do not recognize these doors. The immature do not appreciate these doors. And the fearful avoid these doors. Recognizing an open door from God is not the same thing as walking through it. You have to move. When he said, I've opened a door for you, he wanted them to know that he had the authority, the right, the privilege, and the power to do it. He's given them the capacity to walk through it, and it was up to them to do it. When God opens a door, number three, it's because there's something on the other side of it. In this passage, he speaks to them of the opportunity that's theirs. In this horrible situation, he said, I've given an open door of ministry for you to preach the gospel. I've opened a door of deliverance from opposition and the promise of the return of God. But when God opens a door, it can also be something unexpected, something undeserved. 
something that will bring him great glory. When God opened the door for me to pastor, you need to understand that my mantra had been for the eight years I'd been in ministry. I told my pastor friends and youth pastor friends, I said, read my lips. I will never pastor. Not that I was above it. It just didn't interest me. I watched what these guys were going through all through Georgia and lower states. And they all, you know, bloodshot and eyes sunk in the head and dark. And their wife just stared forward with blank eyes and like, where do I sign up? I was like, no, I didn't want to. And one little neighborhood boy named Jimmy. Mr. John, when can I go to church with you? And again, before cell phones, daytimer. How many daytimers in the house? Y'all remember? Okay. I had the little one, the cute one. It just went in the back pocket. Flipped my daytimer over and I looked at it and I said, I can take you in three months. And when I said those words, I heard, not really, but the door of opportunity opened. And I stopped mid-sentence and I said, I'll take you this Sunday. I walked through the door and told my wife, I said, we got to start a church. Are you sure? Uh-huh. It's all I knew. It's all I knew. Anytime God does that for you, it's more about his desire than yours. There's joy in it. There's reward in it. There's beauty in it. There's trials in it. But it's about him. And let's be careful of the preaching and teaching that emphasizes you. I'm a player in it, but I'm not the point of it. That wasn't even in my notes. Write that down for me, Haley, so I don't forget that. Something that will bring God glory. And eventually, it can be something that will validate, vindicate, and elevate you. He told him, he said, when I get done with, with you, when you walk through this door, unbelievers are going to come and worship. And that doesn't mean they're going to worship them. It means that they will recognize God in your presence of what he's done for you. And here's the proof of it. He said, they're going to know that I've loved you. So see, for whoever you are today, that you've been maligned and mistreated and slandered and rejected and ill-spoken of, some of it truthfully and some of it not truthfully, there is a day coming when God is going to validate and vindicate those that are pure. And he said, I will do it in front of them and they'll say, God's loved him. God's loved her. The Bible says, when the Lord turned the captivity of Zion, we were like those that dreamed. And the heathen looked upon us and said, the Lord has done great things for them. I'm thankful that the Lord picks times of purpose and opens doors. Women, doors of opportunity for ministry, but that's not all. Opportunity of healing, opportunities Grandma, of restoring our soul, opportunities to heal us. And if you can hear the hinge, you'll look. And if you have eyes to see, that's why when he gave this prophecy, he said, if you have ears to hear, it's not just the word, hear the hinge. And other people won't hear it. You, you can't wait on other people to hear the hinge of your door. They're, they're not wired like you. Okay, I'll prove it to you. Go to Kmart or Toys R Us. No, don't go to Toys R Us. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't. You will come out bankrupt if you go to Toys R Us. Unless you're a deaf parent. <laughs> so we'll go to Toys R Us because there's a bigger selection for illustration purposes. Take the little radio controlled car. Take 10 of them out. 
put them all side by side by side and take one controller and put batteries in it because you know they're not going to give you batteries. The stupid toy is $95, but they're not going to give you 60 cent worth of batteries. Stupid. Y'all don't have those feelings. I said, we're going by the dollar store and I'm going to buy a hundred of them. hundred bucks, that's 10 years worth right there. So you got your one controller in your hand, nine controllers you're not using, and 10 cars. You turn it on, do all 10 of them run? They're ready to go. We got power, we got juice. Which one goes? I'm asking you. The one that has been wired to the same frequency and only it. So now we found which one works. We're going to set it off to the side. It's still got its new batteries in it right here. Duracell. Now we're going to put the same batteries in these nine controllers. And all the cars start going crazy. What does this one do? Nothing. If you have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to you, don't be concerned about everyone else's cars moving. My sheep hear my voice. And another one's voice, they will not follow. Number four, when God opens a door, it does not mean that it will require nothing of us. God's doors are not without their share of opposition, difficulty, pain, or loss. Before I give you the serious cause, I'll tell you one of mine, you know, that thing about answering the call to preach and step through the door and I'm going to pastor a church. You heard me tell it, but it's so funny. I'm going to tell it again. I was at the uh, Macon Mall back before the cobwebs took over. And I was walking through the Macon Mall and I saw a district official's wife. And she was walking by. I said, hey, hey, flagged her down so she could enter into the joy of my open door. I came and said, hey, how are you? I said, great. We're starting a church. Y'all, Where? Here in Macon. Where? I told her. She goes, it'll never work. I didn't say it, but I'm thinking, I'll move that wig off your head so fast. I'll push that. I did. Y'all pray for your pastor. Do you ever have carnal thoughts? But we don't act on them because we spirit filled. We, I didn't push your wig. I adjusted it, but I didn't push it. I adjusted it just a little bit for her. She said, it'll never work. And she walked off, and out loud, I told the Lord, I said, even if you didn't ask me to, I'm going to do it to spider. <laughs> Everybody's not going to jump on your bandwagon of how great you are, how noble you are, how righteous you are. God, you heard God. They all got flyers. You heard God. They're going to oppose you. They're going to have opinion. Oh, everybody's got an opinion. My Lord, they got opinions. I had one guy met me in the foyer. I'm not going to say which building because you might narrow it down. I'm walking out. I said, hey, how are you? I wouldn't walk across the street to hear you preach. Bless you. That's what I told him. Bless you. He walked away. I said, Lord, I pray for his wife in Jesus' name. Whew. You know she's got a hard way to go. For every promised land, listen, there is an Egypt to escape from and a wilderness to travel through. God opened the door to the promised land. Oh, but you got to fight Pharaoh, baby. Then you got to go through the wilderness. For every Isaac that's promised, 
There may be an agonizing, seemingly unnecessary wait for every coat of many colors. There is a pit of rejection, betrayal, and despair. Have you ever been blessed by God with a coat of many colors? And this is the symbol of not only of, of, of Jesus being the special one, but of us being special to the Lord. And he'll give Drew a coat that he won't give me, and he'll give Ben a coat that he won't give Jeff. But we all have coats of many colors, and God will bless you a certain way, and all of a sudden people hate you or envious of you. Remember the first year I decided to take several weeks vacation to be with my family. And it just, it just changed for me because God gave me opportunity for that. And in their job, they didn't have that opportunity. So the issue wasn't that I got to go. The issue was that catfish didn't get to go. And with evil eyes, when I came back, he goes, must have been nice. I went, it was <laughs> just like that. Because I had decided, now I shouldn't have reacted that way. Now I tell them, it was wonderful. Would you like to see the pictures? Now I've decided that I'm not taking my coat off for nobody. If my father gave me this coat. Okay. Now I shouldn't walk up, you don't have one. You don't have one. I shouldn't do that either. But whatever blessing the Lord gives you, it's for you. And those people that can't celebrate with you, man, we can cry with those that are crying, but we can't dance with those that are dancing. Be careful when God opens the door and says, I'm going to esteem you and I'm going to raise you up. He said, but your brothers are going to give you fits. For every David who would allow to be king, there's a Shimei that will curse him. For every Joseph that's born to us, there's a Rachel you'll have to bury. Paul said in Philippians 3, but whatsoever things were gained to me, I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss, for, but except for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I might win Christ. Follow me with this. He said, I have counted all things for, as loss, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things. That's later in the verse. I went ahead and grouped everything in my life and surrendered it to the Lord Jesus. I counted as loss. And by surrendering it, I lost all of those things. Part of the key of successfully walking through the doors is to already write off the cost before you do it. Because if you've already given him everything, when it comes time to give it to him, you're ready. There are young ministers in this room. I talk to Luke almost every Sunday, and I want to say it because his mom and dad are here. I can count on two fingers how many times I've done this in this church. God's hand's on your boy's life. His hand is on your boy's life. He's going to be a preacher. And if he's not, then I was wrong. And John's been wrong before, but I know you're proud. There's a deposit made in him. And I'm going to be your friend your whole life. If you ever need an old guy to put on a ski mask and go whip somebody, you, you <laughs> call me out. Fix them. But you, as a young man, it's already costing you. I know it is. Because certain guys don't hang around with those Christians. And there's cost for every ministry. But count the cost to see if you can finish. And once you decide you're going to pay it, pay the tab. Because on the other side of that door is glory. On the other side of that glory is vindication, validation, promotion, and the smile of the king. The smile of the king. 
Just because God opens a door doesn't mean it's going to not cost anything. Again, I'm always, the older I get, I'm referring, I say, I know half the people won't know this. Y'all remember Let's Make a Deal? What was the the MC's name? Monty Hall. Hall, Thank you. Y'all play those trivia games at home, don't you? For money. (laughs) For money. Everybody put $20 in the pot to win or take all. Some of y'all don't know about that, but it's not really gambling if you win. If you win, it ain't gambling. If you... So Monty would give him his $500 cash. Now back then, that's like 15 grand. Monty would give him $500 cash. Or you can swap what's there for what's in this box. Or what? The curtain, behind the curtain. Now what if Monty, at commercial break, pulled you off to the side and said, look at me, on my life, take the curtain. What would you do? Would you be one of those people? Is he telling me to take the curtain because he knows I will, so that way I won't, so that, so I can, I would say, you give me your word? Yeah. So they're back on there. Three, two, one, money. Before he could even ask, I'll take the curtain. <laughs> and John wins the uh, 71 Cutlass convertible, pulls out the back. Yeah, yeah. I hear in my heart this morning, the Lord saying to you, take the curtain. Take the curtain. Follow me. Nobody else hears it. Follow me. You'll be vulnerable, but follow me. You'll risk what's in the hand. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Ben, if you'd come this morning, please. God will never force you to go through it. Listen to this. The good shepherd does not, does not drive the sheep. He leads them. Cattlemen drive the cattle, which he's, they're behind them, hitting them with the stick. Jesus just walks and taps the staff on the ground every now and then to let you know where he is. He will never make you take an open door. And just because it's open doesn't mean it stays open. Some of you had had an open door put before you and you've never walked through it. And you're, you're, you're testing the Lord's grace and patience. That hinge swings closed just like it swings open. I am convinced that on July 6th of 1986, had I not responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ, I would have died in my sins and went to hell. I believe that was the last door for me because I shook with the enormity of the moment. I knew God said, I'm opening it. I'm the door. John, let's do it. Let's go. Let's go. And some of your doors are closing. Well, if the Lord opens the door, he keeps it open. No, he doesn't. He asked the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, come pray with me. This opportunity will never come again. My soul is sorrowful, even unto death. Come pray with me. And they slept. He woke them up and said, please come pray with me. They slept. And the third time, he tried to wake them. And he said, never mind. Too late. And they came to take him out of the garden. They never had an opportunity to be the ones with Jesus in his darkest hour. And there are opportunities in your life and you're letting them pass by. Because of the cost and the vulnerability. Yeah, you're going to be vulnerable. But he knew that before he opened the door for you. To the weak, God's opening a door for you. A deliverance. For those that are bound, doors of deliverance. For those that are broken, doors of healing. For those of you that are joyless, he'll open doors of unspeakable joy to you. But you have to go through them and you can't presume that they'll stay open. 
Many people do not go through divine gateways because they're too spiritually dull to see them. Because of unbelief, fear, insecurities, or a love of comfort in this world. I hesitate on some of the things that have happened to me because I don't want you to take them out of context or the wrong way. Your pastor is not a martyr in any facet of the word. You've been so good to me. I am a billboard for preachers. I'm like, do it. It's great. Other pastors go, do it. Y'all have been good to me. But I remember when the Lord began putting Second Baptist and us together. And I was so slow to do it. I was so slow to do it because I didn't want to be the guy that people said come down and swooped in after a church split and just took property and everything. So we had three business meetings with Second Baptist and all of them but one came with us in this joint venture that God did. We had three meetings where I said, we are not going to talk about anything positive about a merger because I don't want you to think I've talked you into it. We're meeting today to talk about the negatives. And they just kind of looked at me. And I opened the first meeting saying, this is not a merger. It's an absorption. You're going to lose your identity. You're going to lose the name, all that. So we did all the negatives because I didn't want somebody to lie about me. So we did spread out a month apart, three meetings, two with Christ Chapel. And we had five unanimous votes. So we took it to the church and said, we're voting today. It was on the little cards. It was not, I vote yes or no. It was, yes, I believe it's the will of God for the two churches to merge. Or no, I do not believe it's the will of God. And we had unanimous except for one. And I asked him later, I said, could I just ask you why you voted no? He said, because I knew everybody else would vote yes. And I just want to be different. It is, anyway, it's many obstacles, many hindrances. And there was a precious brother who passed away near that time. How many of you knew YZ Gordy? Good man. Man, if I can be half the man he was. I went to his funeral out of respect for a man of God, just a local man of God. And I sat in the middle. And I sat behind two gentlemen I've never seen before. And one of them said, have you heard about this Christ Chapel Second Baptist thing? And the other one goes, Yeah. It's horrible. Some John Hood fella. It's horrible. And I remember thinking, today has nothing to do with me. This is about YZ Gordy and honoring him. But I'm telling you that to let you know that 10 years later, it still stings. And there, there are some costs along the way. The higher up you go in God, and I'm not saying I'm high, I'm still a baby. But the higher up you go, people have opinions about you. You know what the Lord whispered to me as I was crying one day about what somebody had said and what this one said? He said, you never have opinions about people you think are below you. Just like that. I don't have an opinion about the garbage man. No offense to anybody. I just don't have an opinion about his lifestyle. But celebrities, we think are above us, politicians. And he just told me, he said, don't, don't worry about that. You worry about what I think about you. You worry. Now watch. Watch this. He won't force us to go through it. 
So if we, for fear of what someone might think or say, miss it, we have now made a decision based upon someone's feelings that don't even matter or may change. When God opens a door, no man can shut it. Not by their unbelief, not by their mockery, not by their hatred, not by their curses, slander, or envy. If God has opened a door for you, the only person that can keep you walking through that door is you. That's it. If God has opened a door for you, the only person that can keep you from walking through that door is you. And on my shift and my time with you, I want to be very, very clear. I have zero regrets in 28 years of following the Lord Jesus Christ. Zero for walking through doors he has opened for me. Zero. I have great regret for the ones that I didn't walk through. Finally, this morning, having said all of this, I have three questions for you today. What did you hear today? He that hath an ear, let him hear. What did you hear specifically for you? What did you see today? Did you see a door of opportunity, of education, of ministry, of calling? And what are you going to do? What'd you hear? What'd you see? And what are you going to do? I just believe this morning there are missionaries in this room. They're going to shift fields. I believe there are young men like my buddy that are going to step up. When the time comes, I can put a baton in their hand and say, you've been preparing since you were a teenager. Run, run, buddy. I believe there are people that are going to stop their dream of retirement and maybe open up a boys and girls home and bring kids in and raise them and love on them and give them a head start. I look at all of our graduates. You've got more potential than I ever had. Run. Run with it. Be great for the glory of God. My granddaddy used to say, if you're going to be a dog, be a big one. No, don't. Swing for the feet. Who cares about striking out? Swing. And I just wonder, spiritually speaking, Would you just close your eyes with me? I wonder, spiritually speaking, does anybody hear the hinge this morning? Because you were asking the Lord, is this you? Is this you? Are you you speaking to me? And he said, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. I have set before you an open door. You don't even have to knock. You don't even have to knock. Now, I know this was a generally educating sermon as well, but with no one looking around. Specifically, I know that he's speaking to me about this. And I'm acknowledging it and I'm making my commitment. I said, Father, where you lead, I will follow. I'm walking through the door. I give you my word. With no one looking around, if that's you, stand. Wherever you are. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. The answer is yes, O Lord. For the glory of the Lord. For the glory of the Lord. May his name be exalted for the glory of the Lord. I hear him whispering to you. He said, I open doors that no man can open. And they can't shut them either. 
Walk on. Walk on. Walk on in. Walk on through. Walk on out. Walk on. And I will bring to your hearing those that name the name of Jesus that don't know him. And they'll stand beside you and worship the Lord on account of what he's done for you. Praise the name of God. Praise the name of the Lord. Those standing, would you do me a favor? You don't have to. There are Old Testament stories all throughout that were types. When the prophet was dying and he gave the king the arrows and said, smite him against the ground. And he did it just a couple times. He goes, oh, if you'd have just acted on it, you'd have had greater deliverance. I'm going to ask you by an act of faith with every eye open now. If there are doors in front of you and this place is it, I want you just to walk through the door in front of everybody and come stand around this front. Come on. If that's you, you're walking symbolically, walking through the door. This is not in my notes, but would you go to the back door for me? I want to put something in your hearing. Ben, hold on one second. I want you to slam that door, and when I tell you to, as hard as you can. I want you to hear this in your soul and never forget it. This isn't in my notes. I'm not trying to work up something. Do that for me, Andy. That door shut behind you. This is a brand new, Isaac, it's a brand new day. Brand new. What all's out there? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Glory to the Lord. Our altar team, if you'll be first to come and stand behind, lady with a lady, guy with a guy, would you come stand with them? And then I want a man behind every man, a spirit-filled man that knows what I was talking about today that says, I believe with you that this door was opened by the Lord for you and I just want you to know that I stand in agreement with you. Come on, come on, let's go. Come pray with him. We can have more than one. Come stand with him. Glory to the Lord. Come church family, stand with him. I heard the door with you that day is what we're telling them. I heard the door with you that day. We have a sister here with no one standing with her. Thank you. Thank you. I heard it. I was in the sanctuary when I heard it. In the natural, what happened in the spiritual. Thank you, Doris June. Pray with her. Pray with this lady here. Praise the Lord God. Saints, stand with us as we sing this together while they pray. Give myself away. Give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. I give myself away so
here in my heart, the Lord will be with you. Fear nothing. When you walk through the fire, you're not going to be burned. Neither shall the smell of smoke kindle upon you. When you walk through the waters, they will not overflow you. You're going to walk through flood and fire, opposition, rejection. But you're also going to receive great glory, great reward, and the smile of your God. May it be said of us that we were who we were supposed to be, we did what we were supposed to do, and we honored who we were supposed to honor. Bless your name, Lord. Bless your name. Hey, Luke, would you pray for us? Would, would you be embarrassed to pray for us and close? Come here. Was what I said okay today? Now, you may not be only a preacher, but you, you've, got, you've got God's hand on your life is what I'm saying. Will you pray over us? Just hold it close and pray. Dear Lord, thank you for letting us all come here. Thank you for opening the doors for all these people that are standing here. And may other doors open for people that haven't seen them or haven't heard them today. Yes, Lord. Don't close them until they can see them. Yes, Lord. Give them the strength to tell whether or not it's a test. Let them know to look before they leave. Just... Bless their life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Nick. Hey, before you go, guys, could I have a, before you go, may I pray a blessing over you as well? Did y'all realize how much of that sermon he quoted back? No notes? Use him, Lord. Matt, today I just bless you. As sons and daughters of God, I speak over you the ability to hear with spiritual ears. I speak over you that you'll hear the hinge. I speak over you a boldness that when the door opens, you don't hesitate, that you run through. I speak over you encouragement and tenacity when the way gets difficult. And I speak over you the reward of the Lord. For God has said he'll make you a pillar in his house. You'll be unmovable, eternally secure. May your life bring great fame to the Son of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.